This episode of Esports Decoded is brought to you by Esports Next. Don't miss this digital B2B conference for the esports industry. Our advanced digital platform provides attendees access to a full-on virtual event with insightful panel discussions, virtual exhibitions, and a multitude of valuable networking and business opportunities. Learn more at esportsstaorg esportsnext. From ESTA, the trade association ethically advancing the business interests and sustainability of the esports industry. This is Esports Decoded, the podcast that explores all things esports and demystifies the trends and forces shaping the ever-changing world of esports. And now, here are your hosts, Donnie Mufis and Stefan Heinrich. Welcome. I'm your host, Donnie Nufus, also joined by my co-host, Stefan Henrik. And uh, today we've got a really great show for you. We've got a really great guest. I'm really excited about it. Stefan, who is our guest today? Yeah, likewise. We're, we're really excited to have uh, Julian Tan from Formula One uh, on the line with us. Julian is head of digital business initiatives and esports at Formula One. And uh, really has been pushing into, uh, I think, what we'll all call a bit of a, de- a digital revolution as he's been ushering in this new wave of user engagement and, uh, and you know, brand equity at Formula One. Uh, Julian, before we kind of kick it over to you, we, we'd love to get a little bit of, you know, your background and, and ultimately, I think, uh, what you do at Formula One uh, specifically and, and I think how you got your start in esports as a whole. Yeah, sure. Well, first of all, thank you for having me, guys. Um, it's, uh, it's a great pleasure to be here. Um, a little bit about me. Um, I grew up in Malaysia, so I'm, I'm a Malaysian boy. Um, I came over to the UK for university where I studied uh, in engineering, actually, and uh, specialized in engineering, in fact, doing a PhD in composites engineering. Um, and started out my career in a company called the Boston Consulting Group. They're a management consulting group. And at that company, I actually specialized in digital strategy and digital transformations. Um, the opportunity with Formula One actually came up as uh, a secondment opp- opportunity, which uh, you know I thought was really interesting. And I had spent about a year and a half, almost two years at, at BCG at the time and uh, wanted to see what it was like really working on the client side. So I, I took the plunge, um, you know, joined Formula One as a secondee and, and really joined F1 at a time where, you know, this was in 2017, where the company was going through a huge transformation. It, it was off the back of uh, Liberty Media's acquisition of the sport. And, you know, it was a very exciting time because, you know, back then we were operating in an environment where, you know, the company and the sport obviously, you know, very well established and prestigious sport, but from an organization perspective, from a business perspective, actually um, lacked some of the traditional structures maybe that you would have, you know, expected um, a company or a business like Formula One to have. So, you know, when I joined, my responsibility was really to help support the setting up of the digital department. Um you know, I came in as uh, Frank Arthoffer, who's my boss. He's the global director of digital um, to help him set up the digital department really from scratch and really set the wider digital strategy for the business. And, uh, you know, I think as part of that wider transformation and, and wider strategic thinking, uh, you know, a, a, a bunch of 
digital initiatives were created and were prioritized, of which esports was one of the core pillars of that. And it was a little bit serendipitous, I guess, how I, I ended up sort of leading that initiative. But it was a combination of, you know, um, the speed at which we needed to kick off and and scale a new product. Um, and also coupled with, you know, my background in, in scaling digital products. You know, I think esports, of course, is a very unique product, but in many ways it it does behave very similarly and how you would think about scaling it is is quite similar to any other digital product, whether that's an app or whether that is, you know, um, you know, scaling, uh, you know, a, a, a new website, for example. So, you know, the same questions sort of do apply, you know, who are your core audiences or who is your core customer? You know, what is the competitive landscape, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, it kind of kind of it was quite serendipitous you know I, I took I took the lead in 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 helping to set up that project and it kind of naturally fell into my remit and it's I've grown and and uh and scaled the the business to what it is today and it's been a very exciting time you know it's only been a look back sort of two and a half years since we first jumped head first into the world of esports and we've seen a lot of uh a lot of successes in this in this space and a lot of it is really due to knowing how to leverage the opportunities within esports for our, the wider sport of formula 1 how did esports get on the the uh, the digital initiatives in the first place how how did you guys arrive to that we need to get on this uh, in 2017 yeah you know i think Digital, when, you know, when, when thinking about our digital strategy, one of the core pillars was acknowledging that or recognizing that the, the sport of Formula One has an aging fan base. That's no secret, right? We do have an aging fan base. And it was thinking about how can we start to address this issue um, through digital initiatives. And one of the fastest growing industries, obviously, is the industry of esports. And, you know, we have a, fin a fantastic game. Um, the official Formula One game that uh, is developed by Codemasters. And it felt like, you know, a great opportunity to actually leverage our gaming business and, you know, dive into the world of esports to help, you know, speak to a younger audience, really, you know, to help us create a product that, you know, is in the language that, it, that our younger audiences would be able to understand and interact with and engage. And yeah, that was really the core thesis of it. And uh, we've seen a lot of, you know, successes in terms of being able to uh, have the younger audience who are, you know, more digitally enabled, they're more digitally savvy, you know, they're global, they're a growing audience to help us build that pipeline of, of future Formula One fans. And, you know, as we've continued to navigate this space, we've seen that whilst, you know, that remains one of the core pillars to operating in this space, you know, we've seen a lot of other opportunities that esports has enabled our company to be able to do as well. Let me ask you a quick question, just because, you know, as part of that acquisition by way of, of Liberty Media and uh, the introduction of all these new initiatives, some centered around, I think, in the core sport, obviously, of, of accomplishing that goal of addressing the, the, the audience, right, and, and kind of a, appealing to a larger fan base. But how have you found that esports has helped support the DNI initiative that, you know, Formula One takes very seriously? It, it went through a process of removing parts of its ecosystem that could be controversial. And, and I think as part of that, 
you know, esports, we've seen this kind of across the landscape, right? You know, there is a huge diversity and inclusion initiative in esports as a whole. And, and how have you seen that play some sort of benefit in, in the, you know, the ultimate evolution of the Formula One brand as a whole? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I think that diversity and inclusion is, is a big part of, you know, one of our strategic pillars as we continue to develop the sport. Esports, I think, offers us a really compelling way to, you know, to level the playing field, right? At the end of the day, what is required to excel in, in our case, in playing the Formula One video game is, you know, it's a great equalizer in that sense where whether you're a boy or whether you're a girl, whether you are old, whether you are young, whether you are abled, whether you're disabled, you're able to pick up the game. And it's really down to how much practice you put you put down to it right and i think that we've certainly certainly see saw um a lot of success in being able to kind of help to penetrate um and open up the sport really i would say you know a couple of years ago we um we worked on a campaign with one of our official sponsors in the f1 esports series dhl where we it was a digital champions campaign um centered around esports and as part of that the winner of that campaign was actually um, one of one of a disabled one of our disabled fans was really fast on the game actually really really fast, and um, you know he was a terrific guy. Um, we uh, we brought him over, did did a bunch of activations with him. You know, you know, had gave him a bunch of opportunities as well and experiences as part of that. But that for me, I think, was one of the examples where you could really see that you know esports really does open up the sport. You know, you don't especially for him, you know, he, he, he was on a wheelchair, but still incredibly quick on a Formula One game because he loved, he loves Formula One. He loves the Formula One game. And equally on the gender diversity side, you know, we've seen a lot of progress, I want to say, being made where, you know, we have more and more female sim racers coming into this space. I think what's really interesting that I've, I've seen is the fact that we're operating in a sport, the sport of motorsports, where there is, you know, there is a heavy sort of uh, male presence. You know, there's no escaping that. And then we know that within esports is also very heavily male skewed. So we're almost operating in F1 esports, kind of like the extreme of the extremes. But at the same time, I think that that that's our starting position. But you know, I think that whilst that is our starting position, you know, the opportunity to actually open up by nature of the game being that great equalizer is actually very profound. And already we're seeing, you know, great up and coming female sim racers, you know, um, Maxime is, is, you know, she does a lot of sim racing. She's a great influencer and also a great, um, you know, person to kind of represent that space as we, as we have also with sort of sim racing girl as well. Um, so I think there's, there's still a lot more to be done, I think on that front, but, you know, esports does provide us with a great opportunity to help to, you know, push those objectives a little bit further on as well. I think that's a that's a really great point there, and I think that's um, that's one thing that that I think people tend to forget of of what esports essentially is. And you know, I I often say to people that the first social media ever ever was video games. I mean. Uh, you know, before there was, you know, Instagram and Facebook and all that, there were groups of people who were congregating around an IP and all talking to each other online 
and collaborating with each other and sharing things. Uh, I mean, there are, there are people to this day that I've never met in person, but I've known for years and I consider good friends of mine that we all congregate around a game. And the other thing that, that I think is also important about it is, um, some of these people, I don't know what they look like. <laughs> some of these people, you know, I've never seen their face, but yet we, we all love getting together around something that we have a lot of fun around. And also, you know, creating a platform, this kind of expedites, you know, to your, to your point, uh, you know, like a female influencer expedites the ability for them to have a platform with Formula One. And I mean, how important is that? And how great is that? That allows you guys to be able to do that, right? Absolutely. I I, I love that uh, analogy that you made, Donnie, around how video gaming was the first ever social media. I might steal that. That is, that's a brilliant insight. I think it's, it's, it's so important, right? I think that esports has enabled us to redefine what it means to be both a Formula One fan in terms of the kind of racing that you can enjoy and the kind of racing that you can consume. But at the same time, what it means to engage with the sport and have a voice in the sport. You know, I think that Formula One has always traditionally been a little bit more inaccessible. I think both by design as well, right? I think it's very difficult. I always, I always use that comparison where it's, e it's much easier to pick up a tennis racket and play in your local court. But jumping into a Formula One car is, you know, it's, it's a, an opportunity that almost nobody gets, gets the opportunity to do. But through video gaming and through esports, really, you're able to kind of give that experience, give that platform to our fans and, you know, create also new names and new stars and new voices. And I think that's really important because at the end of the day, this, a sport is all about its fans, right? It's, it's really all about its fans. So this is just another platform, another channel to be able to both give them a voice, but also give them something to engage in a more deep and meaningful way with, with us as a sport. Yeah, no, that's, that's great insight, Julian. And, and uh, thank you for that. Um, so if, okay, we'll, we'll jump into the, you know, topic at hand, obviously COVID-19 continues to be an ever present challenge that I think that, you know, both the global economy and, and public health systems are, are grappling with as we try to, uh, you know, prepare for the months and, 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 and years ahead and, uh, and learning a fair bit, I think, along the way. I, I'm curious, from your perspective, you know, what sort of initiatives have you had to roll out um, or introduce as a result of COVID-19? Obviously, you've been active in, in kind of the, the social sharing of, of some of these esports initiatives, but I'd love for you to speak to um, some of the really neat things that you've brought online over the last month and a half um, to really kind of further brand experience and, and, and the impact of the Formula One brand around the world. Yeah, sure. I mean, I think the impact that COVID-19 has had on the world um, and on sport has been very profound. You know, I think as a Formula One, as a sport, obviously, as, as everyone knows, has had to postpone and or cancel um, our Grand Prix in, in, in light of the global health situation because of our safety of our fans, which is, you know, the, absolutely the right thing to do. I think the, you know, in, in this very difficult challenge, I think what we actually recognized was what is the role of sport? You know, what is it that sport gives to our fans? Sport gives fans relief. It gives fans a form to escape. It gives fans entertainment. And we felt that 
you know, particularly at this time, whilst, you know, we aren't able to kind of go out racing because of, of health concerns, health and safety concerns, how, how else could you bring racing to our fans? I mean, they need it more than ever now. You know, I think everyone right now is going through a, a really, really difficult period. And I think that sport can play a, a very powerful role in, in helping to provide a little bit of relief. So we felt, you know, we had our esports property and, and that was uh, obviously an opportunity area to kind of see how we could develop new products within that space to give our fans some racing during this time. So we've launched a, a virtual Grand Prix series whereby on every Grand Prix weekend that has been postponed or cancelled, we would run a virtual Grand Prix where we invite all of the official Formula One teams and all of the drivers as well to participate and use this as a platform to provide some racing for our fans at the end of the day. And you know, it's been very well received. Um, you know, our fans have really enjoyed and appreciated the, the racing. And whilst it's a little bit different, you know, it's, it's virtual racing and it might be a little new to a, a large proportion of our existing, you know, Formula One fan base. I think they've both started to, to see some of the, you know, the fun racing that can be put on through, through esports. And then in parallel, when we don't have a, a Grand Prix, when it's a non-Grand Prix weekend, um, we're also testing new entertainment formats through eSports. So one of them being the challenge events where we've given, a, you know, given it, uh, our fans a chance to, to race against their F1 drivers and create a show out of that. I think what has been really interesting is that because these have been sort of new initiatives, um, they have been really powerful for us to test a lot of different things and learn a lot of different things, you know. I think the ability to test different formats within racing has, has proved to be very beneficial. I think the ability to cross-pollinate with different sports, you know, we had Ben Stokes from the cricketing world join us for Grand Prix. We had Sergio Aguero from football and Arthur Mello and Thibaut Courtois from football join us as well as sort of, you know, celebrity guests. Um, that cross-pollination between sports and entertainment has been really powerful. We also actually had Liam Payne from One Direction take part in one of our virtual Grand Prix. So we saw a lot of um, crossover in terms of audiences, you know, new audiences coming to Formula One and, and vice versa, which I think has been an interesting development for us. And, and we've, we've learned that actually there is something that, you know, there, there are learnings here that can be also applied as we also bring, you know, a new product to to our fans and i think what's also been really profound you know organizing our virtual grand prix and our esports initiatives during this time is that we've been able to see our f1 drivers really in a completely new light right i think it's a side of the drivers that you wouldn't have been able to see behind a helmet you know our drivers are regularly racing on twitch and streaming there's you know they're they're broadcasting on twitch and streaming there and you're able to see the fun you know lighthearted side of them which you know quite honestly you you like i said you couldn't really see behind a helmet so i think that we're whilst we are launching a new 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 a new esports product set during this time to you know very much about giving our fans something to you know to engage with during this time we're also learning a, a bunch loads um, on how we can you know use esports and use our digital initiatives to further develop not just our esports program but also potentially the wider sport as well 
I, I think I think you you bring up such an important important point here again that I think is sometimes uh, maybe not realized by people who are unfamiliar with esports, and that's that's the word access, and that you know for a long time when I was growing up, my idol was Michael Jordan. Like Michael Jordan was, I had the poster of him in my bedroom growing up, and. The, the the difference between my relationship with Michael Jordan back then and the relationship with players and professional athletes today is that today, because of esports, I couldn't go shoot baskets with Michael. But today, you know, fans are able to jump online with their heroes and play with them. Not not, not just like they're they're not they're not sitting in the grandstands. They're sitting there in the car with with the with the player they're they're having a conversation with them on social the the access that we have and the 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 relationships that we're able to have with these people we look up to is so much greater than it ever was and i and i think that's also why that relationship between the fan and the esports athlete or the professional athlete playing esports is such a more powerful you know bond and and more of a two-way communication that, uh, again, just allows a lot of opportunity for, you know, brands to get involved with in a more meaningful way, right? Absolutely. Julian, I recall a conversation that you and I had um, about, you know, early on, obviously, about the focus of Formula One esports and, and the the intent for that to be identified as, you know, really a, a separate property with that lives within the ecosystem of, of Formula One brands, right? And to be respected as kind of a standalone property. And, and we talked a little bit about, you know, the, the departure, um, you know, from competitive esports or the introduction, I should say, of cultural esports as part of that esports mix. Um, and I was really, really excited not only to see that, that series drop, but then also um, the speed at which you launch that. And, and that's not something we've, we've touched on here, but, you know, for, for a lot of the industry, um, I, I would say sport, uh, live events, you know, it, it's no, it's no, you know, mistake that everything came to a complete, you know, stop, but you were able to, to pivot uh, and, and move very quickly and, and re-engage your fan base in a way that they could, I think, somewhat digest this new normal. And, and, and I think while there is a, a business objective there, I, I think there's also a, a function of that business objective that, that doesn't necessarily get talked about. And it's that of kind of giving, taking care of that fan, right? Giving them something to really kind of hold true. I mean, this is a difficult time for everyone. You know, there, there's, there's, there's no arguing that. So to, to kind of have that same sort of familiarity, although it looks and feels a little different, um, I can only imagine. I mean, I know as a fan of Formula One, I was incredibly impressed to see that. So I think that I would assume that opinion is is shared globally, you know, and in, in, in what you guys did. So so big kudos for that. Um, real quick. So, you know, that was a really decisive move in pushing into this space as, as a brand, as a league, right, as, as a sports property. But what what's the conversation been like with with your partners with your sponsors you know as as you've gone hey trust us we know what we're doing um you know trust and believe and and we're we're gonna we're gonna charge down this road um what's that conversation been like with that space you know i think that um at the core of it i think there is a very strong belief 
a philosophy that if you put your fans first, you can never go wrong. And I think that that's that's very much at the center of why we we organize the virtual Grand Prix. You know, and I think that that's a big part of its success. You know, you 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 listen to what your fans want and try and cater to them. Do your best to to put them first in everything that you do. And I think that for our commercial sponsors and our, our commercial partners, they've been terrific. You know, I think that it's obviously a very very challenging time for everybody. You know,、um, right now, but we've really managed to come together and. You know, I think the virtual Grand Prix series, as well as our wider esports activities during this time, has actually been a great opportunity for us to to give them some value as well. You know, we work very closely with all of our global partners, as we do with our F1 esports series partners, to to integrate them in a in a in a relevant way in in our virtual GPs. You know, we 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 maintain the DHL fastest lap award. We maintain the Pirelli pole position, for example.、Um, Not and and also you know the game itself is it reflects real life right so the tracks that are in the game are reflective of the trackside branding that our sponsors also get in the real world so there are, there are a lot of、um, sort of synergies there that that you know we've been able to kind of use this opportunity and its massive success with our fans to to bring to give back and and provide value for our commercial partners. You know,、um, during a time where most sports are,、uh, you know, have had to go dark because of COVID nineteen. This is really great conversation, Julian. Really appreciate.、It. We we want to get your thoughts on where this is going and what it looks like for you guys. But first, we're going to take a quick break here to give a few words from、uh, Esports Trade Association, and we will be right back. Johnson East Brokerage is an esports insurance specialist. From teams to tournaments, we work nationwide to serve all parts of the competitive gaming scene. With more than 45 years of combined insurance experience, we are your go-to insurance agency for esports. And we are back with our guest here,、uh, Julian Tan from Formula One. Julian,、uh, when we left off here.、Um, Basically, you know, okay, so you guys have established this unbelievable,、uh, basically, property in 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 the esports space, specifically for Formula One, which I I do have to mention.、Um, I would be remiss not to mention that、uh, growing up,、um, I grew up.、Uh, my father is a diehard、uh, racing fan, and、uh, I grew up going to many many races actually. And Elkhart Lake、uh, with、uh, kart racing and all that. And、uh, recently, I was talking to him, and he actually—he's not a video game guy at all. And he said, "You know that that Formula One stuff—it's、uh, that's pretty good." <laughs> <laughs> like, and he's a retired truck driver, and he's watching in on it. So you know、that's、your、amazing. ability to reach this audience that、uh, otherwise wouldn't know anything about it. I think.、Uh, I think there's、uh, also a lack of of understanding of just how far things have come, how realistic it looks, how good the production value is. But so now you, so now you've done this, and you've you've and and in this current situation, you've been able to pivot very quickly. So I guess the the question I have is, so now what? Where does this go in in your in your opinion? <laughs> It's a great question. That's a million dollar question. I think for me. It's difficult to say really what the next 
couple of weeks will look like, let alone the next couple of months. You know, I think that this virus has proven to be, um, you know, it's, has, it's been very difficult, I guess, to predict and plan because of the unpredictability of, of, of this virus. But at the same time, I think we've done all the, done all of the right things to mobilize in the space of esports during this time. And we've learned a lot. You know, I think that just organizing and, and operating and, and navigating this space during this time, we've learned a lot about what we can do, what works, what doesn't work. And I think that in itself is hugely, hugely valuable. You know, I think that insight and that experience will prove to be invaluable when we, you know, go back racing and when we think about how do we apply, you know, these sort of learnings that we've had from our virtual Grand Prix series or our challenge events to better enhance our esports program. But also, is there anything else that we can do as part of the wider sport, whether it is, you know, opening it up further through esports with our drivers, for example. So, you know, I think the short answer for me is I don't have a crystal ball, so I don't know what it's going to look like. But I do know that going into the unknown, we are better prepared, you know, operating and, and navigating in this space than if we weren't. And I think the reality is, you know, when we do emerge from, from this crisis, because we will emerge from this crisis, the world in which we will emerge into will look quite different. I think it will look quite different to, to when this um, global health crisis, you know, to before this, this whole situation took place. So I think the ability to be nimble and to have that, that um, experience and learning will be very important as we continue to test and learn, right? Continue to test and learn and improve our product set and, and see how we can continue to serve the Formula One fan base and grow the Formula One fan base. What sort of advice would you give to the rest of the industry um, when it comes to preparing both in the short term and in the long term, um, you know, with, with that trust and learn or that, that you know, test and learn uh, model at the core of it? Yeah, for sure. I'd say test and learn is, is, is so important in any, beyond, even beyond esports. When you talk about digital transformations, those iterative, the iterative approach and that constant learning approach is, is super important if you want to kind of create a successful digital product. I think that as it relates to esports in particular, I think one of the biggest learnings that I've had is that, you know, have the courage to chart your own path if it makes sense. Because I think it's very common that you see a lot of brands or a lot of, you know, um, different parties enter this space and see what everyone else is doing and tries and copies that. And sometimes it works. But most of the time it may not because, you know, I think the reality is, is esports as an industry is an incredibly diverse and varied industry that, you know, the things that might work for, say, a Dota 2 esports competition doesn't translate to, certainly won't translate to Formula One, but, you know, translates to other esports, whether it's FIFA, the NBA 2K. There will be elements that do. So I think it's just having that having that courage to be able to you know almost try your own path if it makes sense because i think that when we entered esports we had obviously a lot of case studies on on other esports and how they've been operating what's been successful for them and i think we've we've actually seen a lot of success by applying what works what what would work that we you know we bring across but also 
there are things that may not have worked in those other esports that actually work brilliantly in, in Formula One and seeing how we can amplify and, and play on that. And I think that that, that actually is, is really important because I oftentimes say that the esports industry, referring to esports is just like referring to sports as an industry, right? In the same way, swimming is not the same as, you know, uh, football or basketball. The same can be said about Dota 2 versus you know, Counter-Strike versus Fortnite, you know, and a Formula One. So each of them are unique sports and how you think about scaling them and how you think about, you know, creating a successful initiative around these games will have to be bespoke to each, to each of them individually. Yeah, such a, such a great, great point. You know, often you'll find in like gaming culture, uh, when you meet somebody who's who is a gamer, uh, you always ask the person, what do you play and what do you play it on? And based upon that, you kind of know a little bit about the person's personality. And the same goes true for just auto racing. <laughs> you know, there is a certain type of fan for Formula One versus uh, there's a track that's about 10 miles away from me that's open dirt. You know, and those are two different types of fans, you know, and, and two different kind of cultures within that. And there's n nothing different about that with with esports in general. So, um, you know, good on you to to recognize that and also to have the encourage. I love, uh, you know, our audience, our, our listening audience can't see this. But when you said forge your own path, my my co-host here, Stefan, was raising his arms, giving you kudos. Uh, but you are so spot on there that. And, and, and look, this is, um, this is something, too, that um, people are, are inventing as we go along. We're, we're still, like, nobody has the answers, really. Uh, you know, the publishers and teams in certain, in certain games obviously have their ecosystems figured out. But, you know, I always think about, you know, the esports the e industry is a big ocean. And there's a couple of huge freighters in it. You can have a smaller boat, but it's still an ocean. <laughs> There's still plenty of space for everybody in this and for everybody to figure out their place in, the, in this industry. Mm. So, so good on you guys for doing that. Yeah, it's a, it's a living organism, right? At the end of the day, it's constantly evolving. So, you know, I think whether it's in sim racing, whether it's in, you know, other genres as well, I think that we are all, like you say, navigating this space and shaping it to a large degree as well. No, 100%. You know, growing up or now, what would you say your your go-to game is? Donnie, Donnie was uh, starting to pull that thread, and I, I got asked the question, what, what is your go-to uh, title that, that you can't get enough of? You know, I, I always um, actually grew up with Mortal Kombat, and for nostalgic reasons more than anything, um, you know, I... That that is that is my game. I would say. I mean, it's growing up. I think my parents were a little bit concerned that I, I enjoyed playing that game so much. But uh, yeah, you know, I think more than anything, I think it was it was it was one of the games that I grew up with. Same as Street Fighter as well. Actually, both of them, um, great games. You know, have have endured the test of time and evolved. And I think that that's testament to. To really the publishers who've done a very very terrific job in in keeping up with the industry and making it relevant yeah i recently peeked peeked in on mortal kombat it's not the mortal kombat i remember no. <laughs> it's intense isn't it yes yeah well and i also want to point out something here to our listening audience all those who are parents because i was a kid of video games 
we're speaking with somebody here who works for Formula One and has a PhD. So don't worry about games. <laughs> 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 I just I really want to point that out. Well, uh, Julian, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you. We can't thank you enough for coming on to the podcast. Um, uh, so inspired by what you guys are doing. And we would love to have you back on the podcast to see how things are going when we're a little further down the road in, in this current, current scenario. We'd love to be back. And, and thanks for having me, guys. So I am uh, Donnie Nufus, uh, and I'm here by my co-host. Stefan Henrik. And uh, we are with the Esports Trade Association's podcast. We will see you soon. Esports Decoded is produced by the Esports Trade Association. You can subscribe to Esports Decoded on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed today's episode, we'd ask that you share it with a colleague. You can also find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, or on the web at esportsta.org.